Welcome to Overthinking in Your Underwear. This is Lindsay, and this is what I'm overthinking this week. Lizzo. So everyone was overthinking Lizzo last week, including me. So if you missed it, Lizzo was sued by a few of her dancers for sexual harassment, uh, religious discrimination, creating a toxic work environment, among other things. And everyone was up in arms about it for obvious reasons. Lizzo stands for body positivity, positivity in general, and kind of being known as just one of those really nice positive celebrities. It's sort of like when Ellen was accused of creating a toxic work environment. Everyone was so shocked because we knew the Ellen that came dancing out on her talk show and we were shocked to learn that she was anything other but then that. So it's kind of something similar to that. So let's break it down. I had time to overthink this along with the world. My first reaction was definitely shock, but There's always a million sides to this and always a million takes. One reaction I had was the usual reaction I have about social media. Shame on us. Because immediately everyone jumped all over Lizzo. Sometimes fat shaming her, sometimes calling her names. I don't even think think people even took time to go beyond the clickbait of the headline. They saw the headline and were thrilled, just like people usually are, thrilled to tear someone apart you know the work she's done the legacy the legacy she's created the positive movement she's created for women and full-sized women and just body positivity and positivity for women in general people were so thrilled to tear her down it's kind of funny like the juxtaposition of barbie like women are having this moment of positivity and we're so excited and we all love each other and then the minute and i'm not saying it was women doing this but i mean i think because it was kind of because what i saw was women and men the minute we get a chance to tear someone down we are I mean, we see blood. We are sharks in the water and we see blood and we are tearing her apart. And like I said, I don't know how many of these people, the first reaction was even beyond the clickbait. We were so excited to tear Lizzo apart. So my first reaction was what I usually is my usual first reaction of social media. Shame on us. I mean, we behave so badly in these situations. So I saw the TikToks, I saw the clickbait, and people were coming for Lizzo. If you then get into and what really happened, Lizzo isn't even the main complaint in a lot of the things that are listed. Her dance captain is listed in a lot of things for some inappropriate behavior, some inappropriate comments towards the dancers. She's really pushing her religious beliefs on them and then in a weird kind of turn of events acting really sexually in front of them. It's it's weird, but that's on the dance captain. It's not on Lizzo. The other uh, complaints filed are against her production company. Her production company is made up of all white people. The claim is that there was some racial discrimination against the black dancers from this all white production company. Again, this is not directly 
a claim against Lizzo. She heads the production company. It is her production company. I get that. I'm just breaking down what is what are we actually saying about Lizzo? So then you come to, well, where is Lizzo in all of this? The Lizzo claim. There is a claim that when they were out in Amsterdam, Lizzo invited her dancers to go to a one of those kind of like sex shows, sex clubs that Amsterdam is known for in the red light district. The dancers went, one of the dancers being a virgin, so she was more uncomfortable than probably anyone in that situation. Her virginity was well known among the group. Um, Lizzo knew how uncomfortable she would be in this in this situation, and it was sort of pressed upon them that. They- This was really a requirement to go, is how the girls felt. The dancers felt like this was actually a requirement to go. So they went, they felt like there would be retaliation if they didn't go, if they didn't participate, if they didn't act like they were enjoying this sex show, which if you think about that, how horrible that you feel like you have to participate in a sex show situation at your work. So they go, some really raunchy claims come out there. I'm not even going to list them. They're listed on other shows. There's claims involving a banana, <laughs> claims involving a security guard forced by Lizzo to do some provocative things. The young woman who was a virgin forced to kind of do some provocative things. Again, it's it's all pretty, it sounds really bad on paper for sure. I feel really bad for the dancers hearing about that situation. I am so uncomfortable even, I think everyone reading that complaint was uncomfortable just reading it. I can't imagine how uncomfortable they were being there. I am going to defend Lizzo here in this situation. I think being on tour is a weird situation. I've never been on tour, but I can imagine the kind of group mentality you have. You guys are living in a weird bubble where you eat together, you work together, you sleep in the same environment. You have kind of no outside connection with other social forces. It's just you guys in this bubble. So creating a break between work and life is is hard. You can't really, it's harder to say, well, that's work and this is play and never the two shall meet. It's really easy for those to meld together and everyone to start having inappropriate conversations for dancers and band members to start sleeping together. And it's why those sorts of things always happen because it's such a unique situation of being on the road with people, for being in a show with people, even being in a work situation that's really intense where you're together all the time when you're together 50 and 60 hours a week and you feel like it's just, this isn't work, this is life. And I think everyone has been in those situations where the lines bleed because it feels like there's nothing else outside of work. So in defense of Lizzo, I'm sure she didn't feel that hard, divisive line between work and play. She thought, here's where I'm going. Cool, I'm going to this show. My sexual boundaries are very open. They're very wide. I'm very cool with the sex show in Amsterdam. And I'm going to be the cool boss and invite my dancers to come along with me. I'm going to encourage people to loosen up, get a little free, have fun. It's a good time. She doesn't realize that other people's boundaries 
are not as wide as hers. And in fact, it makes people feel very uncomfortable and even traumatized to be in that situation. And I think it was a gross miscalculation of judgment on her part. Do I think she was trying to hurt people? I strongly doubt she was trying to hurt them or thinking she was going to ask them to go out on this outing as a way of harming them or violating them. I think she was probably trying to be the cool, fun boss. Grossly miscalculated what that was going to look like for other people and where other people's lines and boundaries were because hers were wide open and other people's just aren't. I think a lot of people have said this in their hot take of it last week, but what we have learned in the last five years is if you are a boss or in a management position or you own a business or anything like that, you have to just have most defined black and white about it. You have to say, we're not, I'm not even asking you guys out for happy hour, it, let alone a sex club in Amsterdam. The line is at happy hour. I mean, I'm saying... Thank you for the work meeting and we're done. I hope you guys go have fun. I hope you guys enjoy your life, but there's too much liability. There's too much room for interpretation. Our society is too litigious. We're done with that. Like we're done with that. And what's so crazy about it to me is that years ago when I was coming up in advertising, advertising is a business much like I'm sure finance, Wall Street, that kind of thing, where they create this environment of, oh, we work hard, but we party even harder. So interviewing for an agency, they played that up. I can't imagine going into an interview now and someone playing it up. They played it up. We have beer on tap. We have happy hour thirsty Thursdays that we sponsor. It start about four. Everyone just, the cocktail cart starts going around. People start getting rowdy. People stay late at the office, just drunk. The alcohol that pulsed through agencies when I was coming up, first of all, it was crazy. Second of all, what everyone was telling me was this is nothing what was compared to the 80s. In the 80s, this wasn't alcohol going around. This was cocaine going around. The point is those days are over and things have changed so dramatically in just the past five years from walking into a work situation and people saying, Hey, it's a party here. Hey, we have wild happy hours. Hey, wait, just wait till the Christmas party to bosses saying, absolutely not. That is not us. You will not see that here. We are not going to create a party environment. If you guys want to party, do it on your own time. And I think it's about time because I really do think that is unhealthy. I definitely, there was times that I loved it. There was times I thought it was great that work was a party. I grabbed a beer, absolutely. There were times that I was like, I am tired of feeling forced to go to a happy hour. I am tired of people saying, and I'm not even, I'm not even saying it was management, but I'm tired of people saying, oh my God, you're not staying for a drink. Oh my gosh, well, you're not part of the team if you're not partying. Can I not just do my job and it doesn't mean I'm a team member if it doesn't extend till the nine o'clock happy hour? I just want to go home at five. And I got so tired of that feeling like it was a baked in part of it. So I think this is a long time coming and I'm happy about it. Back to Lizzo. Talk about overthinking, right? This is a bigger issue than just work, but it does have work baked into it that those clear lines need to be drawn. And Lizzo and her boyfriend... 
they can go to the red light district. But by no means should anybody that works for her be asked to go because they're going to feel that built-in pressure to go. They're going to feel that built-in pressure to impress Lizzo. She is too big of a name. She is too big of a brand. She has too much power over them to say no. And she may not realize that because she's really only been famous since, I don't know, 2018. So this is probably a really big learning moment for her. Personally, I hope it's a a learning moment and not a cancellation moment because I don't believe in cancellation. I don't like it. I think we're better than that. I hope she can learn. I hope she can grow. I hope she moves on. I hope the dancers are well and happy because I do not believe they are lying either. I don't think it's that. I always say the truth is somewhere in the middle. Is Lizzo the most lovely person you've ever met in your life? Is she the bubbly fun girl, you know, bouncing around that you think, oh my God, she would be so fun to have, you know, she would be so fun to hang out with. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe she is a bit of an asshole. Maybe she is a bit arrogant and conceited and isn't the one that would be like so nice and sweet to you. That's fine. And that's her right. She doesn't necessarily need to be sued for it, but she may not be the persona that she puts out there. That's okay. That's her brand. Her brand is something that she created, that she put out there for sale, and we bought it. And that's fine, and that does not make her a bad person. It's the same thing with Ellen. Ellen created a happy daytime talk show persona of someone who danced and talked and watched funny little videos with kids, talked to the kids, and we loved it and we laughed it up. It's kind of the problem with separating the brand from the person. Ellen's persona is her brand. Lizzo's persona of positivity and body positivity was her brand. Taylor's, Taylor Swift's persona of, oh my, everyone loves Taylor. But part of that, it's not just her music, it's her brand. It's her personality is her brand. So there's kind of a danger of Taylor, so far, not a wrong step, she's perfect. But if Taylor made one small step, there's danger because her personality is so intertwined with her brand. I don't really know what Beyonce's personality is, to be honest. I mean, let me know if you think you do. Um, We love her. She's just the queen. And we don't know. It's not like we love her because she's funny. (laughs) We love her because she's the queen. I think we love her almost because she's mysterious and she gives us nothing and we do not deserve it. That's why we love Beyonce. So in a lot of ways, her personality is her brand too. The point is that we live in a day where personalities are intertwined with the brand. It makes the brand so much bigger, but it makes the missteps so much harder to come back from because we are so invested in that personality. Those were my thoughts on Lizzo. I definitely think she can come back from it. My thoughts with the dancers, I hope they get what they want out of it. An interesting little nugget, they're only asking for $75,000, which I think is interesting. It shows that they actually have a lot of heart for this, and it's not about money. It really was about awareness, uh, about what happened to them, justice. It does That doesn't look good for Lizzo, to be honest. If they had asked for $7 million, it would have looked like they were just greedy and disgruntled, and that's not what $75,000 is giving. 
Now to our main thoughts. This week we are overthinking true crime and I have a special guest, my niece Marley. She is a big true crime fan like I am. And what we're doing this week is we're doing the My Favorite Murder thing. I don't know if you guys are fans of the podcast. I am. It's uh, Georgia and Karen. I'm going to link all this stuff in my blog, but they're like one of the first podcasts I started listening to. I'm going to tell you a little bit about their story first. Karen and Georgia were both comedians in LA years ago. Karen was a writer on um, some comedy shows and they met at a party and they both were started talking about true crime. And they said, you know, we, and they started like telling each other some, some murder stories. And they said, we should do a podcast where we tell each other our favorite murder Hence their podcast, My Favorite Murder. That's really what they do. They sit down and they banter a little bit. Their banter is always really funny. Sometimes it's pretty deep and thoughtful and insightful talking about conversations they've had with their therapist, things they're like really working on in their life. They can be very transparent and revealing. And then they get into their favorite murder. So Karen will tell Georgia something she researched and then vice versa. And it's, it's a really good show. It's a really funny show. You end up just wanting to be friends with both of them. So I love that podcast, but I stole the My Favorite Murder thing. And Marley and I are telling each other the stories of our favorite murder this week. And it's really good. It is one that I've been overthinking in my head for like 10 years now. If you have heard about it, please chime in in the comments. I want to know your thoughts. I know all of you are obsessed with true crime too because there wouldn't be so many Datelines on. There wouldn't be 17 versions of Dateline on right now if I was the only person watching it. Enjoy my conversation with Marley, my favorite murder style. So you're obsessed with true crime like I am. Yeah. I mean, maybe to some level. You think I'm more obsessed? Yeah. Oh, okay. Why do you think you're obsessed with it? Because it's like interesting how like someone can like do those things like and be that like crazy and like fucked up from a psychological perspective. yeah from like a psychological perspective well and it's just interesting in general to try to figure out like what happened like i like trying to play like who did it that's what i like i like i like a mystery that i have to figure out like i have to figure out yeah it's not just a given exactly it's not just like scooby-doo it's not scooby-doo it's not just gross and like oh, this horrible person did this horrible thing, and it's, like, a horror movie. It's, like, a slasher Jeffrey, film. The Jeffrey Dahmer documentary was, like, a horror movie. Yeah, that I didn't watch that because it was, like, I Good knew what you. happened. It's just disgusting details about and, like, these, horror, yeah. they, these poor victims, and that's not interesting to me. If yeah. they had done, like, a psychological profile on Jeffrey Dahmer, that would have maybe been interesting to me. But Which I think they, like, I think that they might have. be a thing. Like, I think, I think that's they have. Thing. But I'm not interested in just, like, the gory details of people being hurt. And yeah. I'm not just trying to defend my interest. I really like, like, trying to figure out, like, the end of the the end of the yeah. whodunit and, like, why people do things. And with Dahmer, it was just, like, he was literally mental and, like, it just told you the gory details. Like, you weren't trying to guess anything. Yeah. It was so it was just salacious. That wasn't great. For the sake of being salacious. Kind of like the um, Idaho 4 we were just talking well, about. Yeah. That is grotesque, but I think people are so interested in it because... It's like, why did he do that? Yeah, it, it was a normal-seeming guy, which I think maybe if you had met him, he wouldn't have seemed so normal, but it was a normal-seeming guy when you look at him, and those are the ones that always, like, captivate people's attention. Or yeah. 
the ones where you go, oh my gosh, I, he could have been in one of my college classes. I know he was a TA or a professor, but no, still, it's like you could have ran into this guy. Like that could have been anyone. Yeah. Those are the ones that like always freak people out. So today I'm stealing from my favorite podcast, My Favorite Murder, where Georgia and Karen sit down and tell each other, tell each other one of their favorite murders, hence the name. Today, Marley and I, my niece, are going to sit down and discuss murder. Discuss murder. I have a really good one. I don't think many people have heard about it. I've brought this up many times to people and they're always kind of like, interested and intrigued and have never heard about it. It is the case of Cena and Phillips. Cena Cena and Philip. Cena and Phillips. Like two people. No, that is it's one name. Cena Ann. Okay, that was her middle name. Cena Phillips. Let's just say let's remove Cena. Let's just okay, let's call her Cena. Cena and Philip. Then it was oh, Cena and. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, Anne's her middle name, like my middle name's yeah. Anne. Well, just where she's Cena. Okay, her name's Cena. Okay, she disappeared on September tenth, two thousand one, night before September eleventh. <gasps> That's my hot birthday. Okay. <laughs> Really irrelevant to the story. Is Wait, 2001? It's Marley's half birthday. Oh, that's... Yeah. Yeah. So, what is so interesting, so interesting about this story is that she went missing on September 10th. The last time anyone saw her was sort of, like, early evening of September 10th. She... We'll get into, like, maybe a little bit more of the details, but she, like, went shopping and went to the dry, dry cleaner, and she never went home on the night of September 10th. And she was married, and she and her husband lived down near the World Trade Centers. They were both doctors. So they were kind of having a rocky part of their marriage. She was going through a lot of stuff. She was going through depression. She had gotten fired from her job. Her brother, her husband's brother later said that she was having an affair on her brother, on her husband. On her brother. Which kind of is shown because she didn't come home that night and he didn't even really do anything because she had been known to not come home. She would just stay out drinking with whomever and not come home. And her husband just didn't say anything because how old was she? She was 31. So he was just kind of like used to, that's like the state of their marriage. Like she would go out drinking and not come home and he'd be like, okay. Mm -hmm. So she didn't come home the night of September 10th and he got up early the next morning for a shift at the hospital. So he leaves for the shift at the hospital at eight o'clock. The attacks on the world trade center were around nine o'clock. Yeah, that's crazy. So he leaves around eight o'clock goes into his shift at the hospital. I don't really know where his hospital was. Everything blows up in New York. Right. And he's calling his wife, calling his wife, None of the phones really worked in New York around that time because of everything that happened. And she's not answering. His phone probably wasn't even working. And he gets home from his shift and they're so close to the World Trade Centers to ground zero that their entire apartment is covered in dust. Oh, my God. And the only thing in the apartment is the, the paw prints of the cat. So he can tell his wife hasn't been home. Wait, but their apartment was still intact. It was just dusty. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So he came inside. His his uh, apartment was covered in dust, and he could tell Cena had not been home. Something around there. He That's where he started looking around 
no one had seen her. Um, she was supposed, she had supposedly said she had like spent the night at a cousin's house or something, or had last texted. She was with a cousin. Hmm. The cousin hadn't seen her. Um, no. So he's slowly adding up the facts that no one has seen his wife in, you know, 16 hours or something. And he like is starting to kind of like try to find her and, raise some alarm bells and things like this. Things go on and she never turns up. And he goes down to the World Trade Center and his assumption and his always his assumption to this day is that because she's a doctor, she she must not have been at her apartment because he could he says she wasn't there. Because she was a doctor, she ran towards the World Trade Center. What? Exactly. Went into the World Trade Center and perished, which would make her one of the only people that was not working in the World Trade Center or flew in those planes into the World Trade Center that died like that, <laughs> that died by Wait, walking by. And this is what the husband thinks? This is what the husband But thinks. he was looking for her, and then after he couldn't find her, he just was like, that well, was she his, must have ran yes, into the building yes, and killed herself? Yes. That sounds really not, suspicious. Not killed herself, but because but she like, was a doctor, she was like, I'm going to help. And so she Yeah, no, but that's like kind of asking to kill yourself. Like... Right. It's a crazy assumption. They had like all these investigations. They had all these investigations, like a special investigations. And at first, whatever it was. And again, like I'm you guys can do the research because I'm just paraphrasing a lot of this. At first, they said the whatever it was, the New York special investigation was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. We're not going to put her on the list of people that died in the World Trade Center. No, I think her family I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Some family is kind of on the side of this. Maybe his family. Um, They appealed it. And then the appellate court went through and said, okay. And they put her on the list, making her like the final person that died in the World Trade Center. And the only person that wasn't a firefighter or worked in the World Trade Center or was on the planes that died in the World Trade Center. That just... (laughs) Ran off into the building. Wait, so you're telling me a court like fully approved of this weird ass theory yes. with no evidence? Like, there's not any evidence. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. They were. He was just like, oh, she must have ran into the she World Trade have. Center, and they like paid money to like have, have a like team of like yes. lawyers. Yeah. Like, why does he care so much about getting her on that damn like list? I don't know. Well, and I don't think he was ever because there there's like a survivor's fund. I don't think that he got any money from the survivor's fund or anything like that. I think that was kind of part of it. They were like, she's not, we're not giving you any money as part of like a survivor's fund. But if this is so important to you, fine. We'll say she perished in the World Trade Center. So. So weird. Because the story is so interesting. There's all kinds of like theories about what could have happened. Was she murdered on the night of September 10th? And she's just sort of lost to the chaos of September 11th, who, whatever happened, because she had sort of like a, I mean, I don't want to say a risky lifestyle because that's kind of judging her or victim blaming her, but she was in this phase of her life where she was like going out and drinking all the time by herself. Like that was kind of this thing she was doing. She was just like, go out and she wasn't in the safest place. She wasn't keeping herself totally safe. She was like going out and drinking by herself and staying out all night and Her husband was like, I never know where she is. So, like, did she come across somebody that night of September 10th? And whoever that person was, well, the chaos of September 11th just kind of brushed it under the rug. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of a theory. There's another theory that, like, her life was in such shambles. She was wherever she was the morning of September 11th. And she saw all this happen and went, 
I'm going to start my life over and got out of New York or did whatever to go under, you know, to change your life. And I think that's a very, that's a big jump. I think it's as big, to me, that's as big of a jump as that she ran under the world. Well, I I think that's, I have no idea how anyone believed that or put her on her name on the list, but I'm saying like her being with someone who's like unsafe is more believable than either of those two things. Just because it's like, you don't, I mean, you don't, expect like a terrorist attack and then just be like okay i'm gonna go restart and you you'd hear about her i feel like right from somewhere else right like you can't just actually delete your person you can't delete your social security card and your you know everything yeah and she didn't take any of that stuff with her or it hasn't shown up or anything like that there's another theory that like maybe she killed herself because she was in this horrible place horrible she was in like kind of an unstable period of her life or not the best period of her life i feel like that's kind of like the murder aspect of it you know like was this just a confluence of the timing of it you know she had this the september 10th happened to be the night that things went down for her in a horrible way and then the fog of september 11th made it really hard to figure out what well, that and was. That's, like, but not, if she was if she killed herself, we you would have found the body. Like where would you have Well if someone you, killed her you Well no, yeah, I guess because they could hide the body. But I mean nine eleven would sweep anything under the rug. Like if you go to any authority with like a murder case on nine eleven, they're gonna laugh in your fucking face. Right. Because like the world is like the world's on Yeah, yeah exactly. Crazy. And they were like scared that like, you know, they were gonna attack elsewhere in the country too. So I, no one would have given a shit. But it's also like no one was supposed to, unless you're a 9-11 conspiracy theorist, supposedly no one would have ever known that 9-11 was going to happen. So no one could have like known that was going to cover it, it up. It had to have just been. Coincidence. Coincidence. Yeah. A crime of coincidence. Like, I think the most likely thing is, I mean, if she killed herself, there, you would have found some, you would have found her body. Because <laughs> she can't bury herself. You can't bury herself. It would have been just a, a crime of coincidence, I think. And then that person that was never like really investigated because it was September 11th. Wait, do you actually know the answer to this? No, I don't. Oh, well, damn. Like I want to know the answer. I thought you were going to like be like this, 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 or this could have happened, but here's what actually happened. No, it in her Wikipedia page ends with the fact that they put her back on the list, which is so dumb. Yeah. That they put her back on the list what about the husband? Fine. I think the husband's suspicious. Like, I thought the, the same. Yeah. I know. I was thinking the same thing, but it's like nothing ever comes up about how it could have been the husband. It's like, well, they had a bad marriage. He, they had a bad marriage and he was just like, she ran into the building and everyone just fucking believes them. <laughs> I don't know. Evidence. I do not know why there has never been. More was he like, rich? Like, was he paying someone off? Like, <laughs> Oh, he must. I mean, he's a doctor, but he I, he probably has some money. But they're like, I don't know why the theories are never around that. I don't know if he has such a. I mean, his alibi is clearly he was at home sleeping and then showed up to the hospital where he worked the next morning. I don't know. I think he seems like the most suspicious person so far. Like, and he wasn't a person of interest. Like, no one. And also, like, not that I don't. Like, I don't know if this is actually true or not, but. What if she wasn't, like, maybe she was depressed or whatever, but maybe her life wasn't that risky. Maybe she wasn't 
maybe she wasn't having an affair. Like, who knows? But, like, then all of a sudden her husband and then his brother or whoever, would his ally, is saying, you know, she was a slut and she was out drinking and, like, hooking up right, with people. Right. And then, ironically, she just came dies and, like, he's like, mm, she must have ran into the World Trade Center. That seems really, really like, like, none of it. No right. one's looking into this husband. I, I think the same thing. I think that that's super suspicious. That would also have to be, like... And he was, like, really, con- really trying to get her, like, as a World Trade victim. Like, he's, like, put her on the list. Like, she died in the World Trade Center. And what if that was, like, trying to cover his case? But that would also have to be a crime of convenience. Because he would have had to... He could have been involved in 9-11. <laughs> like, at this point, oh I God. think he's fucking nuts. Oh, my God. <laughs> but he would have had to, not to get... So overthinking. He would have had to have killed her the night before or over the night because then he went to work before 9-11. It's not like... He could have killed her that night. Right. It's not like 9-11 happened and he saw an opportunity. It would have been like, it happened, the murder happened, and he went, wow. No, I think she... Wow, did I get lucky? You know what I mean? I think the... She got murdered by the husband on the night of September September 10th. 10th. You know, 2 a.m. on September 11th, like, whatever. But she wasn't seen at all on September 11th. So I think... You know what? You know, I think there may have been... I remember seeing this somewhere. We're going to have to fact check me at some point. There are cameras in their building. They live in a really nice building, obviously. I think they saw him come in at some point. I think they know she never came back in. So I think they kind of know where he was during the night i think i think maybe that's why they're less suspicious of him like if he got home at eight o'clock and they know he left at eight o'clock and cena was not ever in that building during that time what's her last name phillips philip p-h-i-l-l-i-p then how could they be suspicious of him you know what i mean like if he got home from work at eight left at eight the next day and she never came back in that building and they know that from the security camera then how could they be suspicious of him that's kind of, I feel like maybe that saved, saved his, saved him. Or that's why. Where did you find this case? Ever. Well, I'm looking at it on Wikipedia. No, 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 no. no. Like, how did you, sorry. How I did you find out about, about it in the first place? I first read about it in New York Magazine. In um, 2001? When I, li- when I lived, no. When I lived in New York, it was, um, they did something like the 10 most interesting facts about 9-11 that you don't know about. And... This was one of them. And I ever since then, I was, like, fascinated by this case. And I've, like, looked it up and multiple times to see what's going on. And How do you spell her first name? S-N-E-H-A. See, now, it, on, if you Google it, it'll say she took her own life on some sources. Oh, really? Okay, this is from Medium.com. I'm just going to read this because we might need some context. Lieberman said he met his wife, Sina, on the morning of September 10th, 2001. They started their day per routine. The husband was an emergency room intern at Jacob uh, Jacoby Medical Center, and due to an emergency, he had to rush to the med- medical center. Therefore, he kissed Sina goodbye before leaving work, and that's when he last saw her. So that was the morning of September 10th. Sina talked to her mother on the, on the couple's computer, uh, instant messenger, between 2 and 4 p.m. September 10th about her weekend activities and schedule for the upcoming weeks. She told her mother that she planned to visit the restaurant on top of the World Trade Center windows of the world. But this Mm. is September 10th. She's not going to go there at 8 o'clock in the morning on September 11th. No. Around 6 p.m., Cena visited Century 21, which is a a store, 
and bought items such as bedsheet, lingerie, pantyhose, etc. Using Ron's credit card, the CCTV from the store showed Cena shopping alone. The husband thought he would find his wife home when he got home from work. She sometimes stayed out all night with her friends without telling him, so he didn't think it was that weird. The following morning, he called Cena repeatedly, but her phone was off. Ron started panicking when he learned a jet had just struck the World Trade Center, only a few blocks from their apartment. He contacted her friends and relatives, but could not learn about her whereabouts. I just think it's crazy that he took the leap of, like, oh, she just yes. must have ran into the huge-ass bombing. Like, what? No one anywhere says anything about the husband. So, uh, I don't know. I well, feel like they must the have significant... There or must be. Them. There must be significant evidence that he didn't, he didn't kill her. I sure hope so. I think so. But that is the case of the disappearance of Cena Phillips, and I think it's super interesting. I also just think it's interesting like, all the things that kind of got lost to the chaos of 9-11, other crimes and things like that. Well, I'm kind of pissed I don't know the ending, though. Well, honey, I'm sorry. I can't solve it for you right now. I know. Now. I just thought you were going to tell one that was, like, solved. I'm sorry. Next time, I'll only choose solved ones. Okay. Do you want to tell me yours? Yeah. So mine is really um, well known, I think. I chose the death of Kaylee Anthony, which Mm. is a really well-known case. But if you don't know it, then a brief like overview is they have similar names. So this might be confusing. But Kaylee Anthony was like a toddler. I believe she was. Yeah, she was two years old. Her mother's name is Casey Anthony. And she I mean, in my opinion, her mom killed her. And it's sick, but it's like, um, like what? it's a well-known case, but her mom wasn't actually charged with anything, which angers, like, the public even more, which is why I just flat out said, like, that's what she, like, that's what the case is about. And that's why it was really well-known is because, like, a young mother, like, I believe she was in her super early 20s, like, supposedly had to do with the death of her two-year-old daughter and that's just crazy so that's why it like struck the nation she was like known as like the nation's most hated woman woman whenever this first came out kaylee anthony the child was last seen on june 16th 2008 and she was two at the time and the parents of casey so like the toddler's grandparents were used to seeing her more often and they hadn't seen her in a month, like 31 days. So they had been calling the mom Casey and been like, where is our granddaughter? You know, like, where is she? And I guess Casey just kept telling different stories. Like she was with the nanny or she's, you know, with the baby daddy or she went to daycare or blah, blah, blah. Like just kept making up random stories. Like there was a bunch of different stories. She told various officers and stuff. But the bottom line was, like, nothing was adding up. And why don't you know where your own child is? It's for a month. Like, not for, like, a day. Which would still be crazy because she's a two-year-old. Like, you're with two-year-olds all the time if you have a two-year-old. They lived in Orlando. And Casey, like, had had Kaylee with, like, a former boyfriend. Like, they weren't married. Mm -hmm. They weren't, like, a put-together family, really. But she was supposedly closer, like, to her parents. Like, not super close with them. And especially after this case came out, her and her parents do not talk anymore. Like, eventually, the toddler's remains were found on December 11th, 2008. And it was, like, just her skeletal remains because it had been months. I mean, we went from summer to winter. And they were found in, like, a laundry basket with, like, a blanket. 
Like, it was very, very, very strategic. And it was from the house. The items were from the house. They were from the house, the Anthony home. And they were also, like, they weren't directly, like, in the backyard. But it said they were. it was found, like, nearby. Like, mm-hmm. in, like, a creek or, like, a wood. Like, nearby the home. So, very, very suspicious. Uh, when this first came out, like, the year of, like, 2008, everyone, obviously, was coming for the mom, Casey, and trying to blame her. Because she had tried to blame... I believe she's, like, Hispanic, like, nanny. She tried to, like, pin it on her. And she was, like, the last time I saw my two-year-old daughter was when she was with her nanny. But the nanny didn't even exist. They traced the nanny down. And the apartment where they said the nanny lived literally was vacant for 140 days. No one had been living there. If this person ever did nanny the child, like, she's not there anymore. Like, it was just complete BS. And this was when the investigation first started. So it wasn't even like December when the remains were found. Like they investigated it immediately. So she just kept lying to officers. And it's like, why would you lie if you weren't trying to cover something up? So then that really pissed people off because Casey, the mom, ended up not actually getting charged with anything. So as I was reading about it, it said that she was going to get charged with lying to police, first degree murder, child like manslaughter, like all these things. And she pled not guilty to, like, all of them. And the only thing she ended up getting charged with was lying to officers on, like, seven accounts or something. Because she just kept lying, for God's sake. But I don't know how she didn't get charged with murder. Because it was obviously a murder. Like, it was, like, Mm -hmm. it was a homicide. So, it's, like, who else would have done it? So, then, apparently, she tried to blame her father. And then that's when they, like, really, that's where she doesn't really talk to her parents anymore. Um, because of that. So that kind of broke the family apart because I believe Casey had said when she was younger, her dad used to like sexually abuse her and her older brother um, somehow got looped into this. But again, this woman like just kept lying and lying and nothing was actually ever like you can't really prove someone was sexually abused and you always want to believe the victim, except for the fact that this woman had been lying about killing her two year old daughter. So that's not like a reliable source. So that was sickening. And it also makes no sense because the grandparents were the ones that dialed 911 and they were like, I haven't seen my granddaughter yeah. in a month. And like her mom is not making any sense, like her own daughter. So it's like if they were to have anything to do with the murder, why would they call the cops? Like why wasn't the mom calling the cops? And it was reported that Casey's car smelled like dead body. There was circumstantial evidence for sure, but there was a lot of like physical. On Wikipedia also said that she ended up getting – um acquitted right that's Mm -hmm. because she a lot of the evidence was just circumstantial so thought this woman was so guilty but like they couldn't quite prove it is what it seems like like as i read about it and what's super super weird now this is something i was just reading up on like a lot of people know about this case but what i didn't even know because this article that i read was published like a month ago it's like this year 2023 was that and she now has her own documentary have you seen it? Yeah. You have? Because it, it's, like, on, newer, I think. On Peacock? I think so. Yes. It's, I like, newer, it, it says. Yeah. 2022. And it says that she now works for, like, a law firm, and she works for the, like, lead investigator of her daughter's case. Yeah. Which is so weird to me. Like, so weird. And she's apparently close with the investigator's family now. Yeah, it's that, really weird. Like, they literally investigated... Like, she was, like, number one suspect for murdering her two-year-old daughter who was murdered. And now she just, like, years later works alongside them. Well, I have to say, that was the 
not that I believe anything. I, of course, I think she's guilty. And not that I believe anything about this documentary. But that's the only part of the documentary that I was like, wow, that's weird. Or I can't really like square that in my brain is that she works for this lead investigator mm-hmm. who is this like nice little grandpa of a man. He has his family and he's married to this like lovely old lady. He has a lovely staff and like children. And she's like having dinners with them. She like hugs him and is like, I love you. And she's like, these people are my family. And they're all like, we love Casey. She's innocent. What happened to her is so terrible. And I'm like, these people seem so like so nice and normal. And they what did they know that we don't? Or, like, why I, are they saying this? I I'm know this so is, like, going to sound negative, but we are talking about, like, a mother who supposedly killed her child, so it's going to be, like, inherently negative. But I think maybe she's just got these people fooled. Because okay, I'm, I'm like, so what the confused. hell? Like, I would just never be able to be close with someone or, like, even work alongside someone or hire someone. Like, he hired but her, like, for his firm. She... That she did. And she totally had... Like, I don't even care if you say she wasn't physically the one that murdered the child. She knew her child was gone for a month and didn't do anything about it. And her car smelled like dead body. And it was literally deemed a homicide. And, um, like, whenever they, like, found her remains, there was, like, proof that there was duct tape on her mouth. I'm just wondering what these people think happened if she wasn't involved. I, that's what I'm saying. Which I mean, kept I making guess up maybe stories. they believe this. They must believe the story about the dad because that's the only. But then he wasn't charged with anything, and it also none of that really added up. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So you didn't watch that documentary, the Peacock. I one? haven't watched the new one about the mother's side where she like tries to defend herself yeah, and she's like hard this is what to I do. watch. I don't want to watch. Like I'm not going to believe it no matter what. I don't know why anyone would watch it other than to like make fun of her. I guess. But and this says the docuseries has reignited popular rancor, too, with moms decrying its tastelessness and behavioral experts sleuthing for signs of Anthony in thespian mode. Imagine making a six-hour documentary to convince everyone Casey Anthony is innocent, and instead it makes everyone go, oh, I believe she did it even more now. I wonder what, I mean, I guess if Casey Anthony decides to talk to you, you know you're going to get placement on a streaming service but as a document as a documentarian i don't know why you'd be like yeah i want to give this woman airtime i mean maybe just because some people i mean like you watched it people right. are like people are gonna watch people it. are gonna like, watch you it. know if you're, you're gonna, gonna make money your documentary. but it's also like i'm not gonna watch it like some people are probably like god no but mm-hmm. like some people are probably like what does this bitch have to say for herself she's probably sort of like delusional and has convinced herself something other you know she's maybe even convinced herself that that's the truth yeah i i just think it's weird as hell that she works for that law firm now i think that's so weird so is that enough murder for tonight yeah that was a lot of murder i want to watch girls just want to now we're gonna watch girls just want to have fun so thank you so much for overthinking with me this week until next time wishing you all good thoughts (laughs) 